All right, well, welcome everybody. It's good to see so many of you here, considering the dating workshop is also going on. <laughs> good for you. Um, We're dating experts, all of us. <laughs> I doubt that. <laughs> um, so for those of you who don't know me, I'm Carlene, and I'm on staff with Challenge at USC. Um, to start out, I'm just kind of curious, why are you here? Like, what are you hoping to get from this time together? Frankie? Um, my best friend from back home is in Virginia. He's coming to visit LA next week. And um, some of his Christian friends in the past haven't treated him the best. Um, and, but he's excited to see how I'm living nowadays, and I hope I'll get the chance to share with him throughout the week he's here. That's awesome. Um, honestly, evangelism always like kind of scared me. Um, like I tried to reach out and like be open about my religion, and I just immediately got like shut down, and people would like talk badly about me. So I wanted to try and have a positive experience by like going to a workshop and then actually going out into the real world and doing it. Yeah, that's what I kind of did. That's awesome. There was someone over here. Uh, yeah, I would, like. My main thing, I guess, is like seeing like different methods and like just like being like amped up for like, let's go, like evangelize. <laughs> so, yeah. All right, we'll have some of these guys do the amp session. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope the time together today is helpful for you. Um, before I get started, I would just like to pray um, and then we'll go from there. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this group of students. Thank you for the sacrifices they're making to be here this week. God, thank you for bringing them here today. I pray that you would be the one speaking through me, that you would um, say the specific things to each of them that you want them to walk away with. So God, thank you for this time. Thank you for Hume. We love you and we praise you and we pray all this in Jesus' precious and powerful name. Amen. <laughs> all right, so... I personally believe that God has placed us each in specific spheres of influence and that he wants to use us in those areas. Um, God has a role for you to play in every person's life that you encounter, whether that's destroying some misconception of God or of followers of Jesus or the joy and privilege of getting to help them step into the kingdom. Um, we are each putting different pieces in those people's lives and hopefully helping them move at least one step closer to God. So if you don't put the piece God has for you to put in, who will? If not you, who? Um, a little bit about me. I grew up in the middle of nowhere, Nebraska. It's a town of 1,600 people. Yeah, hey, you know. Um, and growing up, everyone knew about Jesus. Everyone had gone to church at some point. So coming out to USC was the first time that I encountered people who didn't know Jesus, people who had never heard about Jesus, people who outright just denied he even existed. Um, and that was a surprise to me. Like, was I naive and a little slow to pick up on that? Absolutely. Um, but USC is also the first place where I encountered people my age who were actively working to share their faith. Um, and that scared me, like that was very scary to me, knowing that that's something I should be doing. But as I spent time with God in his word 
and got to know him more and see more of his heart. He just really grew me so that I saw the importance of giving my life for his kingdom and the importance of sharing Jesus with other people. Um, if I truly loved my friends, I would share Jesus with them, knowing that he is the one thing in life that they actually need. Uh, John fourteen six says, uh, Jesus said, he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So Jesus is the only way to salvation, the only way to a real relationship with the Father. And I want others to have that. I want them to experience the abundant life that comes with that relationship. Um, I think Romans ten fourteen is on your sheet. Can someone read that for me? Yeah, sure. Uh, Romans ten fourteen. How then are they to call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him who they have not heard? And how are they to hear without a preacher? So they they have to hear it. It has to be something that is shared with them. Um, can someone read Romans six twenty three? Thank you, sir. <laughs> Romans six twenty three. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So what do you see in those verses? That um, like salvation is a gift, but it's not of your own works. Mm-hmm. Don't have to earn it. It's just freely given to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's in Christ Jesus by grace through faith. Um, and people who don't hear that, like they won't know that that's what they need. They won't know that that is the one thing that can bring them salvation. So we have to share. Otherwise, how will they believe in Him whom they have not heard? And if you don't share with them, who will? If not you, who? So what, what are some things right now that you would say hinder you from sharing with people in your life? <laughs> um, I mean, I kind of said this earlier, but like I got totally shut down by people like in high school when I first started going to church and I was like really on fire about God and I was just learning it and they were like, well, what about this? What about this? And they were like poking holes and everything because I didn't know anything yet. Mm-hmm. And so it was just like that one bad experience really scared me to share that. So I'm like, what if the same person says like the same thing? They just like start asking questions that I don't know. And then they're like, oh, see, you're not a true Christian. And then just like write me off. And I'm like, oh. mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Fear, fear can be a really big hindrance. Um, I know for me, A verse that was really helpful in that was Acts 4.29. It says, Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Um, And, like, that boldness is something that I personally had to ask God for. Um, Otherwise, I would psych myself out a lot. Jack? Uh, Pretty similarly, a lot of fear around ruining relationships or making things awkward. But, like, it's more awkward if they're not saved than if they are. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Eileen, I saw you. I, I would go also with fear of that, like, um, 
and scared of like a strange moment that uh, they don't really want to talk about things or um, that uh, it's like they have the feeling that I want to convince them or mm -hmm. there's not like the knowledge that I have and I want to share knowledge with them about my life it's quite smart that they think I want to convince them so that they directly get like feel like they would be attacked or something mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, over here. Oh, actually, can I ask you to like repeat the word you say about the theme boldness? Acts four twenty nine. Kelly. Um, I was gonna say it was fear that I'm gonna mess it up somehow, and that I'm gonna say something Turn them off. Yeah, I I had that fear too, and a verse that was helpful for me on that was um. 1 Corinthians 1.17 said, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Um, so for me, that was just a really good reminder that the power comes in the gospel. Um, and as long as I present that accurately, God is going to use that, even if I fumble with my words a little bit. I actually just read that this morning, and I didn't quite understand Amen. <laughs> You're welcome. God did that. That, that wasn't me. <laughs> um, thank you. Thank you for sharing. Um, there are probably a lot of other things that keep you from it. Um, but uh, just kind of a few questions for you to think about on that is, um, do you believe that Jesus truly is the only way to a relationship with the Father? And do your personal hindrances motivate you more than your friend's salvation? If so, how can you change that? Like what needs to happen for that to be different? So again, do you believe that Jesus truly is the only way to a relationship with the Father? Do your personal hindrances motivate you more than your friend's salvation? And if so, how can you change that? So... A framework that was extremely helpful for me to have when I started learning how to share my faith um, was the division of labor. So God's role and our role. And our role is to love, pray, and share. And God's role is to draw, convict, and change. And only God can do his role. Uh, we cannot draw people. We cannot convict them of their sin. We can't change their hearts and transform their lives. That is all God. And he is faithful to do his role every single time. So we're going to take a look at what we can do. So focus in on our role. So first, we can love people that God places in our lives. Um, one very practical way to do this is by meeting felt needs. And if you're wondering, like, oh, how do I start in that? Um, serving. You can go to the workshop. There's a workshop on Thursday on serving. Um, that could be really helpful. We love people by inviting them into our lives, really sharing life with them, like creating those shared experiences, laughing together, um, asking questions and getting to really know them, not just knowing facts about them, but actually knowing them. Um, can someone read John 13, 34, and 35? Thank you. 
So our love for one another is one way that people can experience the gospel played out in real life, um, experienced in a real way. And people often need to see the gospel before they accept it. Uh, we can do that through loving them. And that's why it is so important um, to build that relationship, invite them into your life, invite them into community so that they see that you're not some weird anomaly. Uh, there are others like you. And even in the way that they see us loving each other will really show them God's love for them. My freshman year at USC, I joined the USC Trojan Marching Band. Um, not sure I would do it again if I went back. Uh, there was a sophomore girl in my section, Amy, and she was really mean to me for being a Christian. Uh, she would make fun of me for being a Christian. She would make fun of me for being like a good kid and for not partying, not drinking, not smoking, not doing other things. And every time I responded in kindness, um, it would have been really easy for me to respond in anger because that's definitely what I was feeling. But I knew that I just needed to love her. And so that's what I tried to do. And then as I did that over the years, by her senior year, we were actually friends. Um, she had gone from like making fun of me to starting to ask questions about Jesus and about faith and what that could look like. Um, and I really, I think a lot of that was because of how I responded to her. Um, she's not a believer yet, but I'm very thankful for the seeds that were planted through that friendship and through that relationship. Um, the second thing we're responsible for is to pray. And so if you want to like get a full on course on prayer, there's also a workshop on that on Thursday as well. Um, it'll be hard for you to choose on Thursday. Uh, can someone read Proverbs 21.1? Yeah, so God knows us inside out. He is the only one who can really move our hearts. Um, he knows our hearts better than we know them. And he alone draws our hearts to himself. So invite him into this. Invite him into trying to reach out to your friends. Invite him into helping you love your friends well. Um, asking him to soften their hearts. Asking him for open doors to share with them. Uh, ask him to make them curious, to place questions on their heart that they would actually have the courage to ask those questions um, and eventually to move them into a relationship with himself uh, because God is faithful to answer. So one thing that I do, and actually quite a few of you who are here have done um, and staff at USC do, is to create a list of seven. Um, so it's seven people who are not yet Christians in your life who you commit to praying for every single day, asking God to move in their lives and draw them to himself. Um, so I gave you all a note card. And we're gonna take one minute. I'm gonna give you one minute to write out seven people in your life that you want to start praying for.
All right, that's a minute. So if you don't have seven yet, that's fine. You can add to this list. This is not like a final, you're done. Um, so to just put this into immediate action, now we're gonna take another minute and you're going to pray for one person on that list or two, or you can pray for all seven if you want to, but we're gonna do another minute and do that. I'll whisper it. So it's <laughs> um, prayer, prayer is powerful and um, like we can do nothing apart from God. So invite him into everything because uh, he's, he's the one that's going to really transform these lives. We just get the privilege of getting to be a part of that. And so as you pray, God is going to bring about opportunities for you to share. So you need to be ready. Um, can someone read 1 Peter 3.15? Put in your heart to revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. So do this with gentleness and respect. Thanks. And Colossians 4, 5, and 6. Colossians 4, 5, 6. Be sure, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And Acts 1, 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So how, how do those apply to us? I'm guessing they apply to us. <laughs> Mom, you need to like, be ready, um, be prepared to give an answer, so like... Practicing that is yeah, absolutely. Um, I think with Colossians 4 5 through 6, specifically, that one spoke to me. Um, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. That's something I've been trying to work on, just like being really careful in the way I'm acting, especially around non believers, so that I don't push them farther away from those opportunities that God's building for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Bethany. Um, I was going to say that the do speak gentleness and respect in First Peter stands out to me because you like you can share the gospel really eloquently, but it's not like also tactful to where the person is at, and it's not going to go very far. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I kind of thought how they all three relate together is like preparedness with wisdom that comes from the Holy Spirit. Probably in that last verse in Acts, but talks about receiving power from the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. That way, you don't have to like rely on your own eloquence. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of power comes from God and how he chooses to move. Um, so yeah, be ready and practice, um, which takes us to the next part of our role, um, share. So this is where we're going to camp out for the rest of the time today. Um, and I want to give you three tools that you can take and practice and utilize. Um, they spell tag, not the game. Um, so testimony, which is your own personal experience with the transforming power of Christ. Andrew dinners and Matthew parties, which are events you use to connect your not yet Christian friends with your Christian friends and help them see you're not the only one. Um, 
and then the gospel. So a clear explanation of what God did in the person of Jesus. We're going to start with a two-minute testimony, which is a short way to clearly share the work of Jesus in your life. Um, it's your story, but done in a way that it leaves room for them to really ask questions and kind of grow their curiosity. Um, so instead of potentially overwhelming them with your entire life story um, or putting them to sleep, um, it only takes two minutes and it's to share the impact that Jesus has had on your life. Um, when I was a sophomore at EOC, I was on the discipleship team and we had an assignment to share our two minute testimonies. Um, and once again, the marching band, I was on the weekender trip and I like knew I had this assignment, but I was terrified the whole time. It was going to be the first time I was sharing with anyone who wasn't a believer. I had practice with my roommates, but they're both believers, so that doesn't, it was practice, but it was not the assignment. Um, I was sitting next to my classmate, Jackie, on the bus. We were leaving the pier in San Francisco, going back to the hotel. And I finally worked up the courage and I shared with her and she said, that's cool. And we didn't talk about it like the rest of the night. Got back to the hotel, still didn't talk about it anymore. I don't think we ever talked about it again. <laughs> but over the next few years, Jackie came and she checked out like my small group Bible study a couple times. She became friends with my two best friends who were also Christians and were a part of Challenge. Um, and so she's also not a believer yet, but like those seeds were planted. Um, and me stepping out of my comfort zone and sharing with her was more than worth it. And it's more than worth it every time. So for two minute testimonies, I want us to focus in on three C's, clear, concise, and Christ. Make it clear, follow a simple pattern of life before Jesus, how you encountered Jesus and came to follow him, and life after Jesus. So for this length of time, it's helpful to choose kind of a common theme to focus on in the before and after, such as like anxiety to peace, um, no purpose to purpose, hopelessness to full of hope, um, anger to forgiving, uh, sadness to joy, loneliness to comfort in Christ, finding your identity in others or work to finding it in Jesus. Um, an important part of it being clear to others are using language that they will understand. Um, don't use Christianese. Yeah. So don't use words that you may know because you read the Bible, but they have no idea what they mean, like sanctification or the blood of the lamb, like just avoid <laughs> things like that. Um, make it concise. So keep it short. The idea is that they will be able to ask you follow-up questions, and hopefully this will be kind of a launching point to other conversations. Um, it will not bore them, and it will not surpass the length of their attention span, hopefully. I don't know, some people, it may be shorter than two minutes now. Um, but hopefully it will leave them wanting more. And keeping it to this length will also make it so you do communicate more clearly because you can't take off on different rabbit trails. Um, and then focus on Christ. So Christian challenge or a friend or a mentor or someone you met on the street didn't change your life. 
Jesus did. And so he may have worked through those things, but ultimately a relationship with him is the only thing um, that brought about your heart transformation. It wasn't those other people. So by grace, through faith in Jesus is the only way to have that relationship. Focus on the relationship with Jesus. Uh, so for me, I grew up in a household where God was known and loved. Um, and I came to understand that Jesus came, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, was raised again three days later so that I could have a relationship with him. Uh, when I was 12, my mom passed away. And after that, my family stopped going to church. So during school, during high school, I got very focused on achieving and stressing out because I wanted to achieve um, to really make my name known. I came out to USC for the screenwriting program. And in my head, I was like, this is awesome. I'm going to go through this program. I'm going to graduate. I'm going to sell all the scripts. I'm going to make all the money and everyone's going to know my name. I also got plugged in with Christian Challenge where I met people who had active relationships with Jesus and were really giving their lives over to God's control. Um, they were living for him and not for themselves, and I wanted that. So I began reading the Bible to get to really know God. As I did that, he showed me that he loved me regardless of fortune and fame, regardless of achievements and success, and that's why he sent Jesus. And when I came to accept that, I was free from those things. Now I live in that freedom, no longer stressing over how to please others or make my name known. And those pursuits don't hold power over me. Instead, I leave, live peacefully, knowing that I am a beloved daughter of God in a growing relationship with Jesus and all because of how much he loves me. So that's kind of like a sample. And now we're going to take five minutes and you all are going to write out as much as you can, like a two minute testimony for yourself, at least come up with the before encountering Jesus and after. And then after that, we'll take five minutes and you're going to share with the person next to you. All right, time is up. But this is something that I would encourage you to continue to workshop and continue to practice with people. Um, the more you practice this, the more you practice sharing the gospel, the more natural it becomes. And the easier it actually becomes to like incorporate it into day-to-day -day conversations. Uh, so the next part are Andrew dinners and Matthew parties, which are events that you create in order to connect your not-yet-Christian friends with your Christian friends. Um, try to make it so that the Christians in the room are outnumbered. So if like six of your non-Christian friends are coming, only invite like two other Christian friends. Um, this is a way for your friends to see and experience the community before they even realize they need it, before they even realize what it is. Um, and these types of events can often lead to your friends being open to attending a small group or a larger event connected with challenge. And as more of your friends become their friends, it becomes harder for them to say no. Um, so Matthew parties focus on letting people connect and get to know one another, just fun time together, uh, whether that's a meal or a game or a movie night or 
hiking, some sort of just fun activity together. Um, Andrew dinners have an added element that at some point in the evening, someone will share about their experience with faith in Jesus, um, AKA their testimony. So when you're inviting your friends to an Andrew dinner, you let them know that faith is something that will be talked about so that if that's not something they're comfortable with, they don't have to come. Um, when I was a junior at USC, um, me and my friend Crystal, we hosted an Andrew dinner for some of the friends for my screenwriting, screenwriting class, um, which a lot of them were Jewish. <laughs> but uh, Crystal shared her testimony there, and then it just led into a really good conversation about faith in Jesus and religion in general. Um, and so some of those friends even started coming to small group. Um, so it's just a casual time together to have fun and connect. Um, I don't have a lot more to say on that. So now we're going to take five minutes and you can brainstorm with the people next to you about some fun events or things you could do to invite your friends into. All right. <laughs> Colin is back. <laughs> yeah, Frank. Why is it called Andrew dinners and Matthew parties? Because of the disciples. Oh. <laughs> it's like having having like a bunch of sinners together in one spot. Like, and Jesus came into that. So. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. Side note, is anyone else freezing in here or is it just me? Okay, I'm so happy. I was like, is something wrong with me? Um, I don't think so, but I'm cold. Can everyone see this? Okay, I'm going to attempt this, but it's, it'll be my first time doing this on a whiteboard. No, it's okay. We'll print. You probably can't see it. No, you're good. I can do it. I can do it. Um... So we're going to look at the gospel. Um, this is the first gospel illustration that I ever learned. Um, it was my sophomore year at Fall Discipleship Conference. There were like five of us at this workshop. <laughs> but it was really impactful for me, and so I want to share it with you. Um, this is how I learned to do it. So we'll see if I turn it this way. In the beginning... Well, okay, before I jump into this, when I'm in a conversation with a friend um, and it seems like God is opening a door, um, I will ask them, like, would you be okay if I shared a little bit more about what I believe? Um, and then I go from there. If they say yes, then I do this. If they say no, I don't. <laughs> so, you don't walk into conversations with me in the beginning? No, and I don't carry this around with me either. It's the first time. Um, so in the beginning, there was God, excuse my handwriting, um, and God created man to be in a perfect relationship with himself. And he gave man one rule. Do you know what that rule was? Don't eat of the fruits of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what did they do? They ate the fruit. And when they did that, Sin entered the world, and that created a separation between man and God. 
And so it broke that perfect relationship. And each of us has done the same thing. We've chosen to go our own way, thinking that our way is better than God's way. Um, but since we were created for that relationship with God, we constantly try to bridge this gap. So we do things like uh, giving to charity or being kind to people, uh, serving. But absolutely nothing we do can ever bridge this gap because we are imperfect people. Um, Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So a wage, what is a wage? A payment. A payment. It's earn. something you earn. So what we deserve for our sin is death. And when I think of death, I don't just think of physical death. I think of eternal separation from God. Because if we are created to live in a perfect relationship with him, the ultimate suffering would be eternal separation from him. And so uh, God loved us so much that he didn't want us stuck in this separation. So the second half of that verse says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So God loved us so much that he sent his son, Jesus to come to earth, live a perfect life, sacrifice himself on the cross, be raised again three days later so that we would have forgiveness for our sins and be able to experience the fullness of life that God intended for us in relationship with himself. And so this verse says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. What is a gift? It's freely given. So do you have to do anything? Write a thank you note. <laughs> <laughs> Write a thank you note. Um, gratitude is important. Um, you have to accept it, though. Like if someone comes and gives you a gift, if you just like let it drop to the ground, um, it's not really yours. <laughs> so what we have to do is to receive this gift. And in choosing to receive this gift, we are choosing to stop going our own way and turn and commit to going God's way. So that's really living life for him. And so after I finish sharing that, I usually ask them, like, where would you place yourself on this? Like, write a little X. And maybe they put it, like, here. Um, and then I ask, where would you like to be? And sometimes they put it here. So when they put it over here, I ask them, um, like, if they would like to have that relationship with God. Um, and then I walk them through a simple pie chart. Um, so if our life is split into a bunch of different pieces of pie, what are some things that would go in these little slices? School. School. Work, family, family. Friends. said at the same time, <laughs> real friends. <laughs> what else? Hobbies. Hobbies. 
Yeah. And so usually what we want to do is we want to have, you can't really read that. I can barely read that. It says me. <laughs> we want to have ourselves in the center and we want to make God just another slice of the pie. But when we choose to receive this gift and we say we are going to commit to following God, what that means is we take ourselves out of the center and we put God there. And then we allow him control over every area. And so then I ask them if that's something that they would like to be true of their life. And if they say yes to that, then I take them through ABC. So I tell them it's as easy as ABC. Admit that you are a sinner and have been doing life your own way, but you recognize that you need God's help. Believe that Jesus is who he says he is, that he came, died, came, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, and was raised again three days later so that we could have a relationship with the Father and commit. Commit to no longer going our way, but to going God's way, um, to really allow him to be the boss of our life. And then from there, um, I help them to see that this, this commitment, like this is one big yes, and then for the rest of our lives, it's a billion little yeses. Yes to God and no to ourselves. Yes to his way and no to the way we want to do it. Um, and if they say, yes, I'm ready to do that, then I'll kind of ask them to retell it to me just to make sure that they understand what they're doing because there, there is a cost. Um, there is a sacrifice to following Jesus. And so I want to make sure that they understand that. Um, if they say no, then I'll ask if they have any questions. And if they do or if they don't, then I'll ask if they would be interested in learning more. And if they are interested in learning more, I'll ask if they would like to start reading through the book of John together, um, kind of as like a next step. Um, and if they're not interested, then I continue to pray for them and love them and check in every once in a while and see kind of where their hearts are in that. Um, and so from my experience, maybe you've experienced something different, but it seems like the hardest part for people is the C. It's the commit. They may recognize that they are sinners and need God, and they may believe that Jesus is who he says he is, but giving that control over to God is just something they're not ready for yet. Um, one of my friends, Shein, she was actually on my list of seven one year. Um, she was kind of that way the first time I shared this with her, and I asked if she would want to start reading through John together, and she said yes. And so we did. We would meet up every week and read through probably like two or three chapters of John together. And then at one point, she said she was ready. I was like, you're ready. Okay. Uh, for what? Um, and she said she was ready to really make this commitment and to give her life over to God. Um, so God, God is moving as we share. God is drawing and convicting and changing. And he's the one who does the work. He's the one who opens the doors. 
So keep your eyes open for those open doors. Um, now, following, following the same pattern, we're gonna take 10 minutes, partner up with someone, and like as much as you can, share this with them. Um, it does not need to be word for word. The important pieces need to be there, like Jesus. Um, <laughs> but other than that, kind of feel free to make it your own. All right, so again, just like with your testimony, like practice, practice, practice. Just keep doing this. Like pull some friends aside and just practice it. Um, these are not the only ways to share. They're just kind of a launching point. And continue to develop skills and grow your toolbox. Um, don't overwhelm yourself though. Like Neil has said before that you have to have one before you can have two. Um, and having one is better than none. So start with one. At the bottom of your sheet, uh, there are some blank spaces for you to write in two friends who are here this week that you are going to practice with. Um, I am challenging you to actually do this. Uh, let this be the beginning of practicing because again, like the more you do it, the more natural it becomes for you and the easier it becomes as well. Um, a couple questions I want to leave you with are, <laughs> do you love your friends, family, and others enough that you see the importance of being prepared to share with them and to share with them? What are you going to do about it? So do you love your friends, family, and others enough that you see the importance of being prepared to share with them and sharing with them? What are you going to do about it? Um, God, again, has specific pieces that he wants you to place in people's lives. So the next time that you're questioning or doubting yourself, I want you to think um, and ask yourself, if not me, who? And that's, that's all I got for you. And it's actually time, I believe. <laughs>